1: This is where we live. I'm John Dankowski. Today, we'll sit down with Governor Dan Malloy to talk about the state budget and other things that are happening across the state. As always, we want to give you a chance to enter this conversation at 860-275-7266. Our phone number, once again, is 860-275-7266. As always, you can comment on our website, wnpr.org, slash where we live. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, at where we live. A lot to talk about with Governor Dan Malloy, so let's get started. Governor, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. Good
2: to be back, and congratulations on your uh, change of life here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, a little little new something. This is actually the last opportunity during Where We Live for, for me and the governor to sit across from one another. Lucy Napathanchel will be taking over this show on a daily basis starting in May, so you'll have plenty of chances to talk with her. But But for now, let's get started with something that, unfortunately, we have to talk about all the time here. We can't talk about all sorts of good stuff. We've got to talk about the state budget, which is something that a lot of people in the state don't think about all that much until there are problems with it. It's something you've got to grapple with all the time. Why don't you just give us an update on where we are with negotiations around how we fill the gaps in the state budget for this fiscal year into the next fiscal year? Where are we?
2: Well, you know, right now, uh, the Democrats and the legislature aren't talking, um, and the Republicans and I continue to have uh, discussions uh, every other day, every third day, that sort of thing. Um, as you know, uh, John, I, I have submitted two budgets that were in balance uh, on the day that I submitted them. Uh, so far, I'm the only person to do that. Uh, makes Negotiations, I suspect, a little difficult uh, for everybody. These are very difficult uh, times, um, and people will ask, I, I think, why Why are we in this situation? Well, starting last June, uh, I pointed out publicly that the volatility and the downturn uh, in the stock market was going to have a profound uh, impact uh, uh, in Connecticut. At the time, I thought it would be $150 million or so, but what happened – Uh, in the intervening months is, in essence, the the stock market in 2015 had a double dip. It went way down, way up, way down, and back to to not way up, but but, uh, there. So that means that people who make their money uh, on Wall Street and in capital gains uh, were not making as much money, uh, and if they did, they had losses um, uh, to balance those gains with. And here we are uh, many months later, uh, approaching the, the end of the current fiscal year. And what I predicted was right, except that, I, that w- what, what we couldn't see is how deep it would be and how profoundly it would uh, impact our revenue. So things like sales tax are A-OK. Um, uh, general withholding is, is pretty much on par. Uh, but what we're seeing is uh, because our income tax is set up, very heavily with respect to the wealthiest citizens. Um, In fact, uh, we don't tax a whole lot of uh, folks uh, uh, even up to uh, the $50,000 range. So everything is above that, and then it's very heavy on on the highest uh, earners. When we have volatility in the stock market, uh, we suffer more than most states. Now, we've done some things about that um, in the past. In 2011, we did shift uh, 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 or broaden the tax base to some extent. Uh, if you go back to pre-2011, if you were looking at what we were looking at right now, uh, the problem would be much bigger. It was uh, very big, yeah. Uh, and uh, so uh, – no, I'm talking about if, if, we, if we had the same set of taxes
1: I uh, see what you're uh, saying.
2: today that we had prior to our changes in 2011, the swing would have been even greater so we have to deal with that and yeah. and but there's another thing we have to deal with it's not just what happened uh in the last uh year uh, uh but it is also we have to accept the fact that that we're in a different economy we've had 11 uh, recession since the end of the uh, Second World War. This is unlike any of them. Uh, every uh, recession uh, we've had before is relatively short in duration, and the response or the recovery uh, brings us back to a point where we're substantially stronger economically. Uh, with uh, I, I was watching this 80s thing on CNN the other day, uh, and they had a series about Ronald Reagan. He had a quarter in which the, the economy grew 8.8 percent. A quarter, yeah. a quarter.
1: Yeah.
2: We're chugging along at at less than two uh, percent per year, um, uh, and in some quarters, you know, less than one uh, percent. And so, this is a very different situation that we've inherited uh, uh, post Great Recession. I'll go so far as to say, if we hadn't had a Great Depression, we would refer to the Great Recession as a depression. Um, and uh, it is clear to me, and I think to just about every economist at this point. Uh, uh, that 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 things are different. That we're not going to experience levels of growth that we got used to, um, and those levels of growth that we got used to tended to drive our spending plans. So hey, we got money coming in. Let's spend it on the on the next big idea, the next good thing. And what I've said uh, uh, really throughout the time that I've been governor, but but certainly have concentrated on the last year, is we've, we've got to set our goals. We've got to decide what the most important things that we want to do as a government are, and then do those things and understand that we have to adjust to a new economic reality. Uh, otherwise, we're going to constantly be in a situation where we're cutting the wrong things and we're taxing uh, uh,
1: people to the extent that they leave our state. So- what this requires, of course, is some some short-term thinking because we need to fix a problem right now and obviously some, some long-term thinking, which is something that leading up to all of this, it's pretty clear we didn't have. As we've talked about a bunch of times, you inherited a very large deficit and now you're, you're grappling with one uh, again. One question I have for you, a very structural thing is um, – We keep talking about projections that we get from from the Office of Fiscal Analysis, various uh, projections of a nine hundred million dollar deficit for this year and then the next year beyond that, maybe a couple billion dollars. What do those numbers mean? In a world in which seemingly almost every month during this fiscal year we we find another $100 million hole, like our budget never seems to quite be in balance during this fiscal year, how does that project out into next fiscal year? I guess one of the questions that I have, Governor, is how do we even know that the things that you and legislators uh, separately right now are trying to fix will even be the problem you need to fix? Four or five months from now, and I think it's a fair question. And I and I think that what's happening,
2: uh, and this is this is you know this is uh, a lot of these projections are organizations that are not within my control; they're within the control of the legislature. So let let's be very clear. Um, but I but uh, but we make our own projections as well internally and look at theirs. And if we not don't have a big fight uh, that we can win, we generally decide not to have the fight. Uh, But what the modeling is is based on, in large part, what have other post-recession recoveries looked like and what have other post-recessionary – World War II recessionary recoveries – what does that predict based on any data point that you have in any given uh, month? And, and I think this buttress is what I'm trying to tell you is this period of time since 2008 is unlike any other time unless you go back in history and understand that the Great Depression affected our economy for 30 years. And if you took World War II out of it, I'm not sure we would even be recovered <laughs> at this point. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it clearly lasted um, uh, from the late 20s uh, into the late 50s, uh, if not uh, early 60s, um, interrupted by a war where government spent a lot of money, got a, a lot of people jobs, and you and, uh, had a period of, of, of growth. Um, Uh, I I, I suspect nationally um, and in states that are very dependent on the highest income earners, uh, we're in a different – we're in a different spot and and we don't therefore have historic charts – are historic ways of predicting um, that are representative of the circumstances
1: that we're currently in. So we're talking with Governor Dan Malloy about the state of the state budget right now. If you want to join us, 860-275-7266. As you mentioned, you know, there was a tax hike around 2011 because you had to close this gap. Uh, There was also a a cut in, in state services, cutting spending levels, as you've said uh, below what was needed to maintain services at the time, so you 're cutting state government back then, and you were raising taxes a little bit and and now we 're faced with a situation in which we have uh, again a deficit that 's looming that 's maybe not that big governor, but it 's big once again. The, the question you know that you and I have talked about a lot of times is how can we, how can we be saying that that more revenues that more taxes cannot possibly be part of a plan to balance the state budget when indeed even with the tax increases we had and even with cutting of state government over the course of the last couple of years, we still haven't solved the budget problem. Well,
2: I, I, you know, I've got to go all the way back to the beginning of that statement you yep. just made. We're not providing less services today than we were in 2011. I yeah. mean, th- th- that is not true. Uh, we're, we're, what you did not, is you,
1: you, pr- you were providing less services than the year before. You were making cuts to the, year, to the services that were moving forward. No, I, I, I
2: fundamentally disagree with you about that. Uh, we're actually providing a higher level of services across the board. We're, we're providing them differently where we are uh, working better with our uh, not-for-profit service providers. Uh, We're serving more people. The only place where we're not serving more people uh, uh, is in our correction system, where we've actually driven the population down very substantially uh, while lowering crime very substantially. For instance, in 2014, uh, the violent crime rate in Connecticut uh, dropped twice the rate uh, of, of the nation as a whole, twice the rate. Now, you know, if if we miss an unemployment number by a couple of tenths of a point uh, versus the national average, everyone writes a big article about how terrible our economy is. And yet we have fewer people in prison, fewer prisons, uh, lower crime, less recidivism. Uh, and we're doing it, uh, it, it with fewer people. Is that a cut in service or is that an increase But how in do
1: we pay for the service? I mean, we've, we've borrowed more money, certainly, and we have a problem with debt in the state as well. I mean, we've borrowed money to get there. I guess No, the, no, wait a minute. Yeah. Stop. We, we, Where have we borrowed more money? We,
2: we have not borrowed more money for uh, the provision of services. That, that's simply not true. In fact, uh, I've had to repay about $1.4 billion of the $2 billion. During my administration, we've had to repay the money that was borrowed— in the Great Recession, to get people through a couple of years Uh, 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 of bad times. Well, those bad times have lasted a long period of time, and who's had to pay that back? It's my administration that's had to do that. Let's get that finished. Um, When you talk about borrowing, we've invested in infrastructure. Um, We're we're spending more on our highways than we did uh, when I became governor because I think we have to do that. We're spending more money on making sure that we have housing for individuals. We're the the first state to have uh, ended— uh, chronic homelessness amongst veterans and now homelessness amongst veterans. We're the second state in the nation to have done that. My administration has funded 17,000 units of housing uh, during the time that I've been governor. We created a housing department that didn't exist. We're working with social service agencies to get people into housing so that they're not in the emergency room on a regular basis. And, and we're showing that, that uh, providing a different service Um, actually has positive impact, so you have less expense, uh, ultimately. So the concept that
1: we're borrowing money for operations is is not true. So when it comes to how we're going to raise the money to actually solve the problem that we have right now, Are we taking off the table completely the notion that we are going to raise taxes on Connecticut residents because how we get to that number with just cuts to state services, with just uh, layoffs to state workers, all the numbers that I've seen just don't add up to to get there? I got there. I've I've presented two budgets that do just that. Uh, uh, And uh, we
2: can't do that if we insist on doing things the same way that we've always done them. We've been very inefficient. We've created efficiencies over the last five years that didn't exist uh, before we before I became governor. We have created those efficiencies. And quite frankly, we have to create additional efficiencies. We've got to think outside the box that uh, we've put ourselves uh, uh, in. And I think that that's the very point that we're trying to make. Um, it, it's not how do we compare ourselves to ourselves? It's how do we compare ourselves to other places? A lot of other places, a lot of other states have moved well beyond what, what we're doing. I'll give you a uh, for instance, uh, developmental disabilities. We spend most of over $1.1 billion providing services to about 2,000 people. We've got to think outside the box. How do we provide more services to more people with less money? And, and there are ways to do that, uh, a better uh, and more active daycare-type uh, facilities, um, uh, more in-home uh, services, uh, uh, providing the same services we're currently providing at less ultimate cost. That's got to be part of, of what we transition to if we're going to live within our means. And, and I, I understand your point. Well, if, if we can't live within our means, let's just tax people. Well, you know and I know people don't want to be taxed more. If I proposed a sales tax increase of to 7.35 percent or 8.35 um, uh, percent, the public would revolt. That, that's a reality. Uh, and yet that's the only place in, in large part that you could increase taxes that wouldn't put us in the same situation we're in now, that a downturn in economy, particularly on the capital gains or, or uh, investment income, would have an even more profound impact. It's time to get our house in order. Uh, and, to, and you know, no family out there in, in, in the listening audience is saying, hey, next year I want to make $100,000 more than I'm currently making. Uh, I'm going to design my budget today as if I'm making. That We're not. We're not making it. We're seeing – we're seeing growth uh, uh, in in revenue. We're just not seeing it at the numbers that we want, that we wish for. Well, wishing shouldn't drive budgets. Actuality should drive budgets.
1: Um, I want to get to a quick phone call from John in Plymouth. Uh, hey, John, you're on with uh, Governor Dan Aloy.
0: Hi, Governor. Hello. Hi. First of all, you're saying you're increasing services. It takes you half an hour to 40 minutes to get on a DMV uh, – Telephone call, So if that's uh, improving services, number, 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 well, two, let's
2: let's stop. Let's let's take these one at a time so we don't we don't lose them. Uh, the DMV system should have been changed 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago. You know why people don't toy around or make changes at DMVs across this country? Uh, it, it's because it's a gigantic headache. Uh, DMV is one of these spots where the public interfaces with government. Um, uh, Everyone knows in the DMV that that system should have been changed uh, computer-wise two generations ago. Uh, I, 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 my eyes were wide open when I went down uh, this avenue. I knew it was going to be a lot of heartache. In fact, when we announced it, we said it was going to be a lot of heartache. It's going to wait. Wait. Hang on one second. It's going to get better. You're going to. You can do more transactions at home than you could ever do before. And in fact, we still have thirty five percent of the people showing up at the DMV to do a transaction that they could actually do at home. The system will get better. Uh, it's hard. It's painful. Uh, but it now has at least the technology uh, which is being put in that will allow us to be a modern department as opposed to a middle age department.
1: Uh, John, go ahead. Hey, how
0: about it? HB 5236? Why don't we seriously consider that?
1: Uh, you know, you have to. Uh, t- I, I, I don't know what that one is, John. That, what does that, that mean?
0: That's the legalized marijuana and tax
1: it. Oh, uh yeah, listen, uh, uh, if, if you can get that through the legislature, it would be interesting. I don't support it, but, but if you think you can get it through the legislature, go for it. Um, I, you know, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, there's a lot more to talk about with Governor Dan Molloy. 860 275 7266. We're talking about the state of the state budget. We'd like to take some of your questions. 860 275 7266. This is where we live. This is where we live. I'm John Dankosky. We're sitting down with Governor Dan Malloy and uh, asking some of your questions today. 860-275-7266. We've heard a lot about state workers being laid off. What do you think the final number of state worker layoffs is going to be at this point, Governor?
2: Well, I I don't I don't know how you define final. Right. Uh, uh, Making budgets is an ongoing uh, 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 process process. we began the process of of lessening uh, the workforce substantially much earlier this year. So uh, by the time April 1st came around, we had 288 uh, positions that we had not allowed to be filled. Uh, on April 1st, we had about uh, 360 retirements. I suspect on May 1st, we'll have another big, bigger than usual May 1st um, grouping of retirements. Um, uh, I think ultimately we're going to have to reduce the the workforce uh, in 2016, 2017 by about 2,500 individuals. Um, how many of those will ultimately be layoffs as opposed to retirements uh, or uh, and, and not filling those retirements or people leaving service? We have people leave service uh, on a fairly regular basis for a number of reasons um, but I think the the overall job reduction number is about two thousand five hundred
1: and how much does that save you a year uh, every
2: job is about hundred thousand dollars so which is part of the problem yeah. Uh, but every job is is about $100,000 in expenses, if you if you think about it. Now, that's not $100,000 in salary, but it's $100,000 in total cost. And that's a round number. I mean, obviously, some are an average. Some some are more expensive. Some are less expensive. But I think the, I think the listeners have to understand that it's about $100,000 a person.
1: So a couple hundred million dollars out of the total budget hole is going to be taken up by essentially cuts like these.
2: Well, more than a couple – more than 200. Yeah.
1: So more than $200 million. Mike is in New Haven. Hi, Mike. Hi, how you doing? Good. What's up?
0: I'm calling because I'm a state worker and I voted for Governor Malloy twice. And I think um, I think he's a bold governor. I think I, I very much appreciated that he was willing to raise taxes in 2010, 2010, when nobody else did uh, that year. Um, but I still think that the problem is we're the richest per capita state in the country and we don't have. The kinds of services for our students that we—I
2: mean, for our, for our uh, citizens—that I think they deserve from that. And it still seems to me that a Bernie Sanders' position—that the one percent can still pay more in a tax—I don't understand the resistance to raising taxes in the highest per capita uh, income in the state, uh, state in the country.
1: But Mike, thank you for your question.
2: So, I, listen—I—I I think if everybody raises taxes, right? If you do it on a universal basis, uh, you may have a point. Um, but you know i i i i study a lot of books one of one of them is the the, the bible uh uh you know uh, very salient points were made in the uh new testament that the poor we will always have with us um, uh in, in essence uh in transportation terms uh, i suppose uh, uh the poor and those um, Needing services are not as mobile as those who uh, pay the taxes at the highest end. And as I've I've taken pains to explain, our tax structure, which is far more dependent on income taxes than most other states, is also far more dependent on the wealthiest individuals than most other states. And that wealthy uh, individual pool uh, resides uh, uh, disproportionately in one particular area, uh, and they're more mobile. Um, uh, than everyone else, and so if we keep uh, if we if we we have dissipated to some extent what were our uh, tax advantages uh, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, um, and I think that 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 having dissipated that, uh, what we don't want to do is going go from a state that had a tax advantage for a long period of time that helped drive the economy, to a state that has a tax disadvantage. Now, we're not—
1: Where did that that tax advantage get us right now, Governor? The the problem is where did that tax advantage that we had for decades, where did that get us? It it seems to have gotten us a state in which people still leave, a state in which we don't have the money to pay for our services, a state in which we lose big corporations, and people complain, even if not rightly, that we're a very high-tax state. I mean, did we maximize the fact that we had the tax advantage over New York and other states all these years?
2: Yeah, we did. I mean, I, I, I'm from Fairfield County. Uh, it, do you think those jobs that, that moved to Fairfield County disproportionately for a long period of time as opposed to Westchester and as opposed to Northern New Jersey, just happened because we have pretty trees? Do you think that's the only reason? Uh, what drove a lot of that and quite frankly, I participated in that as, as mayor for 14 years, as a member of the Board of Finance for 11 years, as a member of the Board of Education for a year, uh, in that process. Uh, that, that's what happened. Uh, but now, today, uh, we're not getting a disproportionately large job shift from uh, areas, even though rents in New York City and Manhattan in particular, but Brooklyn also, are going up far faster than they are just about anywhere in the country with the exception of San Francisco. Even though that's happening, we're not seeing the job shift historically that we saw in the past. Now, Part of that may be reputation. Part of it may be undeserved. Uh, uh, but the reality is if we don't grow jobs in our, in our state and we don't hang on to the jobs that we have, uh, th- then we have an even greater problem where we become even more dependent on the highest taxpayers who tend to have a, a disproportionate reliance on things like capital gains uh, and the like. So uh, now that, that's, that's the answer. It was a good question. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, I, and, I, and I, So let me make another point. When, when you talk about not providing the services uh, that many other states provide, we do, in fact, provide more services than the vast majority of other states provide. We uh, reimburse people to higher rates for things that they do. Uh, we provide more level of services. We've increased mental health funding more rapidly than just about any other state in the nation uh, over the last five years. We're doing all of those things. And we were doing them in anticipation that the recovery would be more like every other recovery since the end of the, uh, the Great Recession, which it it is not. So is the answer that we will consistently raise taxes every single year um, uh, regardless of the outcome or the effect on our economy? Or do we try to find some balance where, um, where we do – where we continue to provide services, albeit in different fashion, and I'm, and I'm big on that. I think that, that in, if, if you give a government a choice to provide it more efficiently or less efficiently, uh, more times than that government chooses uh, less efficiently, uh, what I'm trying to do is bring a level of um, uh, discipline – to how we provide those services so that we're doing them in a more meaningful and appropriate way uh, and we're doing it
1: more efficiently. Um, I think we're, when we take a break in a couple of minutes, we're going to come back after that and talk more about some of those services because there's some voices that I know want to get into the conversation. But j- just to the p- point of, of how we raise money, don't raise money, what we do with our tax structure, I'll, I'll just ask you this before you get to our break, Governor. The, I think the worry that a lot of people have is they feel as though you know, their taxes have, have gone up over time. Everyone complains about taxes, truthfully. But because we've seen this softness in the economy, because we've seen every couple months a new deficit popping up in this year's fiscal year, and and then we see another one coming up next year that's trying to plug and another one coming after that, I don't – and this isn't about you. It's whether it's me or anybody else talking about it. I don't think anybody believes that we're not eventually going to raise taxes within the next year or two because we're going to have to to solve these problems. And so if we're going to have to raise taxes on whether it's the most wealthy Connecticut residents or people in the middle class, if we were to start sitting down and having that conversation now, wouldn't that allow people to plan for something that probably is going to happen anyway? No. You don't think we should be having that conversation?
2: No. I, I think that, that you're, you're in the middle of raising money for this state. I am. Right. So let me ask you a question. Um, Is your – you have a target uh, to raise money. If you don't meet that target, Mm -hmm. are you still going to spend the the same amount of money that you budgeted as a station than you based uh, – than your target was supposed to fund? No. Or are you going to spend the amount of money that you
1: actually raise? Yep. So if it's good for you, why isn't it good for government? the the way the govern the way the government works is the the taxes that pay for all the things that we need for social services. For roads and bridges, to pay for police and all the other stuff that we need to have, this is a this is a common good. When we we're talking about our fundraiser, yep. these these are people who decide they have a lots of choices to get to give, lots of choices to give. Taxes work In an entirely different way. The way it works here is if people want to give to public radio because they support it, they can. They can choose to give their money elsewhere, and that's absolutely fine. The way government government works is you have to provide education, you have to provide services. Governor, if we go away, it's okay. Someone else will do something, but we can't not have services like that and we have to figure out a way to raise the money to do it sure and and so you just made a very salient point
2: if if you said that donors can go away why do you think donors can go away more than people who pay taxes and companies who pay taxes can why do you think that what 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 is it that drives you to to, to reach a conclusion that your donors can go away but the people
1: who t- pay taxes can't oh of course they can't okay that's my point. And, and, my po- and I guess my point is, we, as we head into a break to talk about this very thing is is where are they going to go that's better than Connecticut? Where, uh, where are they going to go to get the quality of life we have, to get the beauty uh, that we have throughout the state, to get the diversity and the interesting things that we're able to do? Where are they going to go? Are they going to go to Florida sitting in a traffic jam? No,
2: they're going to Westchester. They're going to no- northern New Jersey right now. I, 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 listen, I, I, I've, I've lived in this state. Tax, you know, tax rates lived... are
1: pretty high in New York, too.
2: Hey, but, but, but they've invested in transportation when we didn't. And, and I have a whole transportation plan, as you know, and we've spoken I about, <laughs> that would undo 40 years of, of disinvestment in transportation. Uh, I, I have a hard time having people in the Hartford area understand how bad transportation is Fairfield County. That is if true. we can't get jobs into Fairfield County, if we can't get our share of that which is being squeezed out of New York to come to Fairfield County first and then ultimately to other parts of the state, we don't grow our economy. That's the situation that we have been in um, uh, since even
1: before the Great Recession. Governor Dan Malloy is our guest. We've got lots more to talk about when we come back. Right now, we're going to continue to talk about budgets with radio station budgets. Here are some people who can tell you how you can support WNPR. We'll be right back where we live. This is Where We Live. I'm John Dankosky. Today, we're visiting with Governor Dan Malloy and talking about the state budget and other things. Yesterday, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton brought her presidential campaign to Hartford to talk about gun violence in America. Uh, the governor received some praise from the Democratic frontrunner for this state's gun laws. Uh, You also heard from Nelba Marquez-Green, who lost her daughter in the Sandy Hook shooting. She brought the rally back down to the state level.
0: Governor Malloy, I know that your job must not be easy, and you have to make really hard choices, but I encourage and want to reach out, and if there's any way I can work with you, I put myself on the line. I'm concerned about the deep cuts to social services. I really am.
1: And that's Nelva Marquez-Green, who we've talked with a number of times on the program, uh, talking to you directly at this rally yesterday. What's your response to, to Nelva and what she said yesterday?
2: Well, I, I think ultimately I, – listen, I, uh, I know her very well, um, and we have worked together and will continue to work together. I, I, I don't think she understands what's going on in the budget uh, um, as well as uh, she might assume. Uh, for instance, in other parts, she talked about mental health. Um, No, I don't think there's a state that's increased funding for mental health more rapidly than we have over the last five years, and if there is, there's only one. Um, Nor is there a state that spends a larger uh, amount per citizen on mental health than Connecticut does. Um, Nor is there a state that's lowering uh, things like uh, violent crime at the rate that we are. We're having those kinds of successes. On the other hand, not everything government does is is a success uh, or or has the same level of success as another program. And converting ourselves to concentrate on the things that we know have have the highest level of success is really important. I'll go back to development. Developmental disabilities. Uh, we have a, a $1.1 billion budget that is spent disproportionately on services for 2,000 people, uh, leaving a, uh, a list of people who want a higher level of services uh, uh, as long as, you know, the horizon. Um, we've got to find a better way, uh, and we think we have better ways, um, uh, based on communi- community services, less resilience on large facilities. Uh, which are very expensive to maintain, uh, and to and to have sufficient numbers of personnel. Just the size of an institution means that you have to have more people in it because you have more square foot uh, footage that has to be uh, watched, guarded, heated, uh, cooled, and and all the rest of it. So you know, I I I I I, I love her. Um, you know, I I wear a band uh, and have for the last three and a half years around my wrist, which I received at the last funeral I went to, which was her daughter's funeral. Um, so I get it. Um, And I think uh, if you look at Connecticut, we're in a far better place today uh, than we were three and a half years ago. That's a reality. Uh, And we what I'm saying is, you know, I think uh, commissioners at at mental health or Demas or our other agencies, they're in a lot better position to understand and evaluate what's actually working. Uh, as opposed to what people are afraid to to not have their name on, what line item or have their l- uh, name on. Uh, we have really good people working really hard to find less expensive ways to deliver more services, um, and that's what we're doing.
1: Uh, We get a tweet from Anastasia, though. I mean, some of what's happening on the ground, she writes, the clear cut of mental health providers with budget cuts is abhorrent. Six experienced therapists and prescribers fired from West Haven Mental Health Clinic. No warning, no plan. We were supposed to lead the country after Sandy Hook, she writes, so sad. So you you are saying that overall we have made investments in mental health. On the ground level, we hear many, many stories like Anastasia's With with these cuts, we're seeing people who are providing direct services. We've heard from people calling while you're on the program before. And what do you say to them about these direct cuts to services that they need? Uh, uh, Again, there are more efficient ways to to, to
2: provide a higher level of service. That's what our goal is uh, to do. And the idea that no one was given notice, we've been talking about layoffs for months. I mean, I I think that that for folks to assume that layoffs are going to happen, but it's not going to happen where they want. Let, Let me put it this way. You know what government is? It's a big social service agency. Mm -hmm. It's a gigantic one. Most of the $19 billion we spend is actually spent on on social services if it's not to repay debt. okay, That's what we are. Everything is a social service. The state troopers are a social service. The correction guards are a a, a social service. Uh, uh, All of our agencies uh, provide a social service. Education is a social service, where we've actually made more advancements in in our urban environments than is being made on a national average. That's what we're doing here, Uh, but we've got to continue the process of finding more efficient ways to do that because we can't afford the government that we've been buying for the last few years, and we have to make it more efficient. Otherwise, we need to raise... Taxes, uh, and and I think you know you can take a poll of of your maybe WNPR uh, a poll of listeners will probably tell you that everybody wants more taxes, but I don't think that that's true of the of the general society. Now everybody wants more taxes on someone else, I get that, um, but we then have that conundrum of. Who actually pays those taxes? Do they come to our state? Do they remain in our state? uh, Or do they go to another state?
1: And I'll just reiterate something I said before, and and maybe I didn't make myself clear earlier. I I don't know that it's necessarily true that a lot of people want us to raise taxes in the state. But since most people feel as though we're going to raise taxes anyway, it'd be good to have that be part of our plan too. For for what we're doing for our personal budgets, businesses want to know if their taxes are going to go up so that they can plan a year on end. If taxes are going to go up... Because they probably are going to have to with the budgetary situation we have. Let's start planning for it now is, is all I was saying earlier. And, and John, I, I, I hear what you say. And, I, and in, in our sidebar conversation, I also you –
2: know, you, you also made certain omissions about your, your view of, of government and how it works. So I've been in government a long time. Uh, what happens if, – if we were to increase taxes uh, by a billion dollars this year – let me, tell you, let, me be, let me assure you that people would say, next year we need to raise taxes another billion dollars. And the following year, to maintain that two billion dollars of additional expenses uh, and to maintain all services as you have previously provided them, that might require two billion dollars. But what if we year. cut the
1: services but as we're doing? What if we change the services? What if we institute the plans that you and, and some of the legislature are talking about right now? And at the same time say, we have to raise a billion dollars in taxes because we need to change the fundamental p- place of government in our lives. The fact is, the folks at the capital. You said it, and I know it to be true. If you give them more money, they'll spend more money. Well, we probably have to stop there, right? We both agree with that. But if we raise more money and we change the amount of money we have to spend and we do these two things in unison, maybe we have a better state that functions not in a way that allows us to come back every year and have another fight about the budget, but maybe we start to make some real plans about how we're going to be a better state in the future. I mean, do those things in conjunction, and then we're talking. Uh, we Okay. Let's take a step back. Yeah.
2: Who's the guy who's sitting in front of you?
1: The governor of the state of Connecticut
2: who has raised taxes. Sure. Right. Multiple times. And and we've also changed some other taxes and lowered some some taxes, which we we knew specifically were being unfair to people. And we still have a big budget hole
1: to to fill. We probably haven't
2: done enough because we haven't made the changes enough. John, it's it's not it's not a revenue. It's not solely a revenue issue. It's it's we have failed to set priorities. My priorities are to provide those mental health services, but to provide them on a broader basis, we have to change how we provide them. My my goal is to provide better uh, services to to folks with disabilities and to provide more services to more people. But to do that, we can't be spending an average of $300,000 or $240,000 per individual to provide uh, a year's uh, level of of, uh, uh, services, we have to find better and more efficient ways to do that. Uh, and, and that's the situation we are in. You know, I, 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 I'm not fighting with you. No, no, no. I,
1: I, but so for instance, people in people in cities and towns right now, one of the ways in which you think government needs to change is, is we're not going to give as much money from the state level to cities and towns. The aid to cities and towns gets cut under your budget or basically any budget that, that, that comes forward. And then the folks at the cities and town who and you used to run a city They've got to provide their services, so they're going to have to what? Raise taxes on people. Somewhere or other people are going to have their taxes raised, whether or not it's a cut from the state going to towns, and then they get more uh, town taxes but, but, or but, the other way around. You
2: know, it, it, but it's true, it, right? It,
1: no, it's not true, John.
2: I, I've been, I'm in my sixth year as governor. We have increased funding to municipalities. We've absolutely increased But is there funding. a cut
1: to municipalities in this budget? Yeah, they're, they're, wait, no. Is there a
2: cut? No, I don't think there is uh, for, for most municipalities. Uh, there may be, there may, they may not get as much money as they hoped they would get based on the revenue we hoped we would get. Mm-hmm. That's a difference. Um, and, and a lot of folks fall into the same trap. If, if you don't give me what I thought I was going to get, even though you're going to give me more than I got in the past, that's a cut.
1: But but, 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 don't but they have to make their they have to make their budgets based on what they expect to get. Their budgets are based on what they're expecting to get from the state and their own revenues. How right? Is that, how is that different than us? But they can't, tax. they can't tax in the same way the state can. They don't, they don't have the same tax writing authority at the town level that the state does. So we should uh, raise
2: taxes on a statewide basis because they can't respond even though they've had nine months of, of, of warning that things are changing and our revenue uh, sources point. are deteriorating? I mean, I, it's I mean a, it's what, a fair what is point, this, John? It's, is, no, I, 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 I'm
1: just wondering. It's, a, it's an interesting conversation about like where we where we get to so that we don't have to have the sorts of budget fights at the state capitol that we have right now. It seems like it doesn't work, and I think you and I agree on that. Like let's figure out a, a better system. Yeah, and, I, and I'm trying yeah. to propose to you, John, yeah. a better system.
2: It's the WNPR system. You that's on, what, I'm, that's you, what I'm talking you about. You only spend what you, 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 you bring in. It's, it's the Donkowski House uh, uh, program. You only spend that which you bring in, not that which you believe you're going to bring in. Um, and, and by the way, um, you know what happens when the Donkowskis don't make as much money at, uh, in a year that they want? The birthday present is smaller. Mm-hmm. The Christmas present is smaller. Um, the lawn care goes uh, 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 a little bit longer without uh, uh, being redone. Mm-hmm. Those are the sorts of things on a much bigger scale, representing sure. $900 million out of a nine, uh, 19 or $20 billion budget that we have to do.
1: Mm. I want to get to Alicia in Middletown. Hi, Alicia.
0: Hi. Thank you for having me. Um, I've just been listening, and um, you know, I work in a DDS-funded group home as well as I'm a social work intern at Corrigan-Rogowski. and I know that in government, like, you're looking at it from more of a macro level, but just some of the statements in regards to providing services more efficiently, the bottom line is that when positions get cut, services suffer, you know, and um, I just wanted to talk a little bit just about what I've experienced as far as having less staff and just the workload that that puts on people and affects, like, their quality of life, you know, and Also, um, just making statements on recidivism, like, we're one of the smallest states that has 18 prisons in it, you know? Um, You know, talking about that the state is less violent, like, we've had one of the most violent years in Hartford we've ever seen, and I just feel like to make these statements are, it's almost just too bold, you know? And um, also just... In regards to the stadium that's being built, if we could talk
1: about that as well. Well, Alicia, thank you. You gave a lot for the governor to respond to, but thank you very much for your phone call. Name a governor who's closed three prisons.
2: Right. Name a, and and, and the, the point about Hartford is absolutely correct. Um, that they had a very bad year and, and they've got to get that in line. But if you're talking about on a, on a statewide average, we're lowering crime. Recidivism is down. Our prison population is down uh, thanks to the work of, of, of folks like uh, the caller. Uh, she also mentioned that she works in a uh, uh, what sounds like a not-for-profit or a pri- or a for-profit group home that's under contract to the state. She didn't criticize that delivery of services. Uh, she, she wasn't saying that that, that part of her work day is a bad day. Um, um, so, I mean, I get it. Uh, I, I think that we um, – uh, w- well, well, listen. Let's talk about second-chance society. I want bail reform. I don't want people in jail at $120 a night because they can't um, uh, raise $250 to $2,000 to get out on bail on a, on a nonviolent misdemeanor. We have 500 of those right now in jail. I want bail reform. Um, uh, I, I want to take steps that that make sure that, that young people get to an age where they don't make stupid mistakes uh, without ruining their life. You know, we have lowered uh, the prison population of young people uh, in our jail system by 52 percent. So I asked my commissioner, having done that successfully, um, tell me what percentage of our prison population occupied a prison uh, when they were between the ages of uh, 16 and 25? Well, 75 percent of people over the age of 25 were incarcerated before they were 25. Mm. We've lowered that particular population by 52 percent. That predicts extremely well for a continued lowering in crime – and a continued lower prison population at a cost of $120 to $150 a head, um, and that will allow us to take those monies um, that have otherwise been allocated for that expense and and perhaps pay more money into mental health if we can provide a more efficient way to deliver that service. And, and, And I think she's part of the answer to that.
1: Um, we've run out of time. Governor, I want to thank you for these conversations and for sitting down with me on a regular basis and talking about some of these issues, because uh, I really love to do it, and I think our listeners really appreciate the fact that you're willing to come on and have these uh, deep conversations. So thank you for all this. Well, I really you. do appreciate I, it.
2: Listen, I, I, uh, I, I'm I an admirer of yours. Uh, I, I think you uh, conduct a great conversation. Uh, it's one of the reasons I went out to a brew pub one time to, to, <laughs> to have a drink in your honor.
1: Well, you know what? We're coming up on our 10th anniversary of this show. We'll have you back for another beer soon. Governor Dan Malloy, thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, if you've been listening to the show, you know that we've been talking an awful lot about budgets and how things work when it comes to, well, maybe not having enough money for services. I'm going to ask you now to listen to my friends who are going to tell you how you can support this radio station so we can provide more services to you. Thanks.